right, at this time, Rush class can be dismissed. I want to welcome any guests that are here this morning. Thank you for coming and joining us at New Day Community Church. We're happy to have you with us. So this morning, we are privileged to continue our series on Galatians, so please welcome our Pastor Cameron. Good morning. God bless you all. Just going to open with a word of prayer if you'd uh, join with me. Ready? Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. We thank You that we can come into Your presence and worship and praise and singing adoration, songs of adoration to You. Lord, that You not only welcome us, but You've made a way uh, that we have access into Your Holy of Holies. And Lord, we pray now for Your Word that our hearts and minds would be transformed as we behold You in Your Word. Lord, that uh, You'd bless my communication, that I'd be able to communicate uh, what, what is accurate to your will, and that through that word we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've been looking at um, the book of Galatians, and we're going to continue. Um, One of the things that I hope that you've maybe picked up on is over the last couple of weeks, and if you've missed the, the previous couple of weeks, I encourage you to listen to them. They're free. Just go to our website. You can uh, download them or listen to them online. But the Galatians were mostly a Gentile church, uh, and uh, they had come to Christianity through the efforts of Paul and his team as they preached the gospel, as they traveled through the cities of Europe. Uh, and uh, so they were pulled out of their pagan uh, religions and no longer accepted in, in that society, they couldn't go to the pagan temples to worship. They weren't accepted in amongst their old uh, uh, friends or uh, associates in whatever pagan religion. That, that was clear. They made a clear distinction from that. But then also, <clears throat> they weren't really fully Jewish. Uh, they were, even though Christianity is, um, you know, has its roots in Judaism, and Paul came preaching from the Old uh, Testament how Christ was the fulfillment. Uh, they weren't converted into Jews. They didn't become Jews yet. Uh, people had come along and, and, and started to teach after Paul left that they had to become Jews, that they had to become circumcised and, and adapt all of the religious uh, uh, rites and rituals of Judaism. And Paul is saying, no, that's, that's, that's not what's required. And, and so they were kind of like in a limbo. Uh, and you have to understand that now we have Christian Christianity as an established religion, all right? There's uh, really, uh, certainly in many countries, any European country, any Western, westernized country, there's churches everywhere. Uh, even in foreign nations, there's, there's an understanding of what Christianity is as a legitimate re- uh, religion. But at that time, it was still new. It was only about 20 years after Jesus had risen from the dead. And, and these pagans that had become Christians, where did they fit in? It's kind of like a, an immigrant that comes to a country. They no longer are, uh, uh, they're no longer a, a part of the old society, but they are not quite American yet. If they immigrate to America and you're kind of in this limbo. And, and where do they fit in? And it, that's kind of the, the, uh, the, the attitude or the issue that the Galatians were struggling with. And Paul's addressing uh, the theological truths and coming against, confronting this misunderstanding that some teachers were saying they had to become Jews. They had to accept all the Judaic rituals and become actual Jewish converts in order to follow the Messiah. Um, And and they're struggling with this, and Paul's trying to bring clarification. As we look through chapter 3, if I can find it in my Bible. Is it? Is it? 
<clears throat> I'm sure it's still there. There we go. Um, there's a lot to cover. I'm going to try to cover the whole of chapter 3. And, uh, but there's four big picture ideas, big ideas. Everybody say, what's the big idea? That's the big idea. Well, here's the big idea. Four big ideas. And I'm going to try to pull these out of the, the, the text and show you how they're there. It says, one is that faith is the only means to righteousness. Faith is the only means to righteousness. That was true in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. All right? There's no tra- there's no change there. Faith always has been, always will be the means, the means to righteousness. And the second big point is that the law brings a curse, not righteousness. The law brings a curse, and that curse was taken for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, by Jesus Christ. He took it for us. Third big big idea is that the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. That was always the purpose of the law, and it's the purpose of the law to this day. And the fourth big idea is that through faith in Jesus, there is a radical unity that transcends all barriers. Through faith in Jesus, a radical unity that transcends all barriers. So let's just start with Galatians 3. I'm going to read verse 1-5 through in the New Living Translation. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of His death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not! You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So Paul challenges the Galatians with several questions. And all of these questions were, were designed to cause the Galatians to rethink the deception that they had embraced. They had bought into this lie, this deception that the, the other preachers had, had come and corrupted the Gospel that Paul had preached. And they bought into it. And he's trying to get, snap them out of that misunderstanding um, and uh, cause them to rethink it. That they, they, this deception they embrace and evaluate that deception, evaluate what, what was being taught by their own experience. He's, he's telling them to remember what happened to them. They did not come to faith as a result of obeying the law. Okay? They didn't, that's not how they got to become Christian. They did not receive the Holy Spirit as an outworking of Judaism. Alright? They did not see miracles because they obeyed the law. All of these things that he said happened to them in their church when he visited them, all of those things were as a result of the law. All of them occurred simply because they believed. They believed the message. And there was a clear contrast that's being presented. The contrast between the obedience to the law and outward works and the means or the avenue by which they experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of their inner self and the, and the demonstration of miracles was through acceptance, was through faith, was through believing. Um, uh, this clear contrast between the works of the flesh 
or the works of the law and the hearing of the faith. Okay? Now, Paul doesn't correct them for seeking to become mature or to grow in righteousness. You understand that they were trying to be good Christians. They were trying to grow in their faith. The problem was is that people had come in and said, this is how you grow. This is how you become more perfected. This is how you become, whenever you read the word perfect in Scripture, it's, it's mature or to completion. He didn't correct them for seeking that. Rather, he corrects them that the means by which they're trying to achieve that maturity is flawed. They're going about it the wrong way. And he appeals to how they began. Look at how you began. It's, 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 they began by faith and they must be brought to maturity through that same faith. Something else will not be able to bring them to the maturity uh, other than the faith that they began with. And this little part I, I took from a commentary, uh, just so you know I'm not making this all up. Is that alright? Somebody say Amen. Alright. <clears throat> I just want to make sure you're all here. The contrast between the Spirit and the flesh referring to human effort as well as Judaic legalism. This is important because a lot of Christians get this wrong. They read the flesh and they instantly just think of our fleshly body or our carnal nature. But in Galatians, he's referring to uh, the Judaic uh, legalism as well as carnal effort. So this contrast between the spirit and the flesh in verse uh, 3 sets up the antithesis between spirit and flesh, which recurs throughout the whole book of Galatians and the New Testament. All right. So as we continue our study through Galatians, remember that these are the two that he's comparing. The works of the law and the flesh are contrasted with the works of the spirit. And it's important to understand it's, it is a contrast between the heresy that the Gentiles needed to become Jews through circumcision, the cutting off of the flesh, all right, and the other ritual laws in order to be part of God's people. And, and Paul is uh, 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 correcting that error. We need to keep this historical conflict in mind. When you're reading through Scripture, when you're reading through Galatians, keep in mind that specific uh, contrast, that, that what Paul is actually addressing, so that you do not slip into the interpretation that some people do. It's derived from a Greek dualism where spirit is good and the body or the flesh is inherently evil. Alright? Are you all following me on that? Because there's, there's a lot of people, uh, many Christians, think that spirit is good, flesh is, is bad. You know, anything body is bad. And that's just not true. God made us as, as uh, creatures that have a body. He created the earth and He said, you know, that's all good. It's good. And th- there's a spiritualism uh, and, it's, and it snuck into the church. It always existed. And, and that's another deception that we have to uh, be careful not to misunderstand. If you uh, try to force that into this text, you will, you'll miss the point of the text and you'll go off on another error altogether. Galatians 3, 6, 9 continues. He says, In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. 
God proclaimed this good news or the gospel, uh, which is translated many different uh, translations, to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of faith. Paul is referring back to that uh, ancient time when Abraham believed God, uh, believed God's promise that God was going to give him a son. And in in that act of uh, believing and Abraham putting his trust in God and relying on that, God said that is righteousness. That is the act of faith that he requires. And, 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 and God saw Abraham. It was the fulfillment of God's righteousness. And God uh, said Abraham is righteous because he believed. And Paul is saying that is the promise. That's what we're called to. That was actually the gospel being preached. <clears throat> not only is faith the way for the Galatians, uh, not only is it the way they began their walk with God and, and, and were transferred from a pagan, a non-Christian, unbelieving lifestyle to a Christ-following lifestyle uh, and, and how they must continue, but that righteousness has always come through faith. All the way back to Abraham, Paul is saying that's when it started. It was Abraham's faith that put him in right relationship with God. It was Abraham's faith that empowered him to live right before God. Right? And there's, there's, there's crept into the church in the last 150 years, particularly, especially in America, that there's some difference between <clears throat> being uh, seen righteous by God, uh, that God accounts us as righteousness, and our lifestyle, as though our lifestyle doesn't count. All right? There's been, there's been a deception that thinks that, well, we can be righteous before God, but, it, but our lifestyle doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter doesn't change the world. Right? Well, it doesn't matter. When God He's saying this makes you righteous, that means we are accepted in God's uh, uh, family. We are accepted by God, but it also means we are transformed to be like Him, to be right. When we're righteous, it means that we are righteous. We are made right. We are justified. We were not just. He makes us just. Yes, by faith in Him. We can't achieve that apart from the cross, apart from believing. Paul is saying it was by faith that he was made. Abraham was made right. It's by faith that the Galatians were made right. And that righteousness is the acceptance with God, but it's also being right before God. Only those who live this faith are true descendants of Abraham. And Jesus said the same thing when He was talking with the Pharisees and the Jews in Jerusalem. He said, um, the, the Jews answered uh, Jesus and said to Him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And later says, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus was pretty confrontational, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm telling you, I've said this before. I don't think anybody believes me. But if Jesus was a pastor, I don't think anybody would go to his church. Because <clears throat> he just said, he called people the children. Of the, you're the devil's kids. That's what, you're of the father, you know. <clears throat> 
If you're Abraham's children, you'd, do, you'd behave like Abraham behaved. How did Abraham believe? How did Abraham behave? He behaved by faith, out of that belief, out of that trust that he had. He's, his lifestyle reflected his faith in the Lord. Okay? And Jesus is saying that's, that wasn't true. He's saying to the Jewish people, you're not sons of Abraham. Paul's saying to the Galatians, you are sons of Abraham. Because he says <clears throat> that only those who live by faith are true descendants of Abraham. And, and verse 8 there, where it says that <clears throat> the Gospel was preached to Abraham. Think about this. The Gospel. The same Gospel we preach today. The same Gospel that we believe. The Gospel that saves us and empowers us to live right. It's not some new idea added after the resurrection, which some other uh, uh, people in, in, in the history have, have misunderstood. The preaching of the Gospel to the Gentiles was not the addition. Paul actually says the law was the addition. The Gospel is what was preached to Abraham. It's what Abraham believed. And it's what made him righteous. And it's the foundation. It's the source of the promise that we are still the promise of the Messiah. <clears throat> this verse declares that the Gospel was God's plan from the beginning. From the beginning. All along, the Gospel. The preaching that, that by faith in God, by believing His Word, is how someone is transformed from fallen, cursed creatures into beings in right relationship and rightly displaying the character of God. So how do we, how do we apply this? How do we become mature in this day? How are we brought to maturity or perfection? How are you to become more devoted to God? And hopefully you're desiring, like the Galatians, to become more Christ-like, a better Christian, how to, how to see more of the power of God uh, displayed in your life. How do you do that? How do you become uh, how do you more like God? How do you find acceptance with God? How do you become empowered to live right before God? Is it by adapting to a, a whole set of outward regulations and, and, and legalism? No, it's not legalism or outward rules. Is it by joining a particular sect or an exclusive group? And if you don't think this goes on today, it does. Boy, if you just get, if you understand this, if you become part of this church or that segment, if you get caught up, you listen to this type of music, whatever it may be, there's all kinds of uh, people trying to pull that this is the way. If, if only the church uh, would do this, then it would be really be uh, uh, righteous. <clears throat> it's not by uh, joining a sect or an exclusive group or even changing your cultural identity. What is it by? It's by believing. It's by believing. The Bible declares that the means to righteousness, which is acceptance by God and living right before Him in every way, is a product of faith. And so the same act that takes us from an unbeliever that we all once were to a believer, someone out of relationship with God, separated from Him, and the act of faith when you accepted Christ, whether it was as a child when you were growing up, or like me when I was uh, uh, around 20 years old and encountered God in a powerful way, and I, I made that decision. I accepted that Jesus Christ was Lord. 
what did I do? All I did was I believed what I was told. I heard the message of the Gospel and I said, this is it. And I committed my life to it. So how do I become more righteous today? It's that same dynamic applied to whatever life circumstance you happen to be in. It's through believing what Christ did was true and applying it to your life. Does that make sense? All right. <clears throat> the law actually brings a curse. Galatians 3, 10 through 14. Paul says that, and God declares in this chapter, says that those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. <laughs> For the scripture, the scripture says it's right in the law. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. That's part of the law. If you break any one, you've broken all of them. And you're cursed. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. <clears throat> For the Scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Even in the Old Testament. The way, <clears throat> this way of faith is very different from the way of the law which says, this is verse 12 of chapter 3, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He, has, when he was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So that curse that came through the law was taken upon Christ when He hung on the cross. For it is written in the Scripture, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, verse 14, with the same blessing He promised to Abraham. <clears throat> Does that encourage you? The same blessing that He promised to Abraham, He's promised to you, if you believe. So that we, who are believers, might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It's by believing that Abraham was made right. It's by believing that we're made right and receive the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. Um, these verses tell us a few things. <clears throat> tells us that the law was never a means to justification. No one was ever saved through the law. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices did not save anyone. Those sacrifices were all looking forward to the fulfillment of the Messiah coming. They knew that. They understood the law correctly. Now, a lot of people didn't understand the law correctly, just as a lot of people don't understand Christianity and faith today. But it was not in the animal sacrifices that uh, gave forgiveness of sin. It was in the looking forward to the fulfillment of those sacrifices in the person of Jesus Christ that we now look back to. Do you understand that? So the law never made anyone uh, righteous. The law was never a means to justification. Verse 11 says, no one is justified by the law. That doesn't make you right. <clears throat> it's evident that the law by design is not able to make one right with God or able to live right before God. Rather, it brings the curse, the very curse that Jesus Christ came to take for those who have faith. That law illustrates the sin that we're bound under and the curse that sin brings, but it leads us to Christ who took that curse for us. In verse 14 it says that 
All of this was so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, so what can we apply from this? What does this mean to you and I today? Is this some ancient theology that doesn't matter anymore now that we're Christians? No, this matters a lot. All right. First of all, the curse that was revealed is real. All right. The law reveals the curse. That if you if you violate God's moral standard, you will die. All right. Sin leads to death. It's true. That's still true. All right. And we need to accept the reality of that. Paul's not saying that doesn't, that's no longer true. That's still true. Right? But we need to allow that truth to lead us and to bring us to Christ so that we can be set free from the law and from sin and death. The law is to reveal sin and sin brings death. But faith in Christ frees us from all of that. Alright? <clears throat> By believing it, Without hypocrisy. Remember I talked about hypocrisy uh, that was uh, the, Paul challenged the Galatians with last week. By believing this truth and letting this truth uh, 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 affect and transform every aspect of your life. How does your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ affect your language? Affect your thought processes? Affect the type of entertainment you use? Affect... Uh, how you uh, 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 your relationship with other people and with things? How does it affect that? Is it affecting it? It must. It has to. In order for you to be living without hypocrisy, it's not just an intellectual assent to some ideology. It's allowing the life of Christ to live in you, all right, <clears throat> and enabling you. To become a new creation. Everybody say new creation. Alright, in verse 15 through 25, I'm gonna read this and <clears throat> comment on this quickly as well. 15, it says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. I'm, um, this is from the New King James. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Okay? This is saying that seed refers specifically to Jesus Christ. Verse 17, And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance... <clears throat> is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. I'm going to read through 25. What is the purpose of the law? The purpose then, uh, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but for but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been through the law. 
But the Scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, there's a couple of very important parts. I know that reading through this, this may seem obscure if you don't know some of the background. But Paul's making a very clear point. He's saying that the law was not uh, uh, contrary to the promise and, and the gospel. It's not bad. It's not something to be rejected. It was a very necessary ingredient and it had a specific purpose. But you must understand what that purpose was. And he, he starts out by saying that the promise to Abraham was to his seed, singular, not seeds, plural. And you think, wow, that's getting rather nitpicky. <laughs> a couple of things. One, <clears throat> this should uh, uh, help you understand the importance of studying God's Word and that Paul would make a very important uh, uh, argument or, or, or doctrine based on just that, that small of difference. That this is very important. That it wasn't a promise that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's seeds, referring to the nation of Israel and all of his descendants. It was that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's seed. That there was one descendant that was going to come. And through that one descendant, the Messiah, all nations would be blessed. Alright? <clears throat> this is a very different... This means that the promise refers not to all of... Abraham's natural descendants, but just specifically to the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ. And still people get this wrong. God's promise was not that all the nations would be blessed to the Jewish people. That's misunderstanding the Scripture. Say all nations would be blessed through the descendant of Abraham, the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, who came to bless all nations. Significant difference. And that this promise preceded the Mosaic Law 430 years. 430 years before Moses came on the scene, God made the promise. And it was the promise to Abraham that's being fulfilled in the Messiah. Alright? <clears throat> and it was what, would, what we would call today an irrevocable trust. In other words, that this promise was made could not be changed or annulled by a subsequent promise. The Mosaic Law did not undo what God promised to Abraham. That's not, that wasn't its purpose. It couldn't do it, and it wasn't meant to do it. The law was for a time. Its purpose was to preserve the promise until the Messiah came, not replace it. All right? It was always through promise. God made a promise to Abraham that the whole world would be blessed through his seed. God made a promise to you. All right? And it's on the basis of his promise that you will live free from sin and a life of righteousness be accepted by Him. And that's the only basis. Does this make sense? Right? That's what He's telling the Galatians. And that's what He's showing us. This is how we, to understand the Old Testament. How the law fits in. It was to preserve the promise until the fulfillment came. Preserve the people, the descendants of Abraham, distinct until the Messiah came through. Paul was preaching, was not preaching that the law was bad or wrong or contrary to the promise. That's completely wrong. 
Paul was teaching us the true purpose of the law. And the purpose was to reveal this, what he says in verse 22. Scripture has confined all under sin. The law reveals God's nature and how all of mankind falls short of God's nature. So in the law, we see how God's character, what kind of a person God is. He's saying this is the lifestyle. But that very law shows that none of us can keep that type of lifestyle. It's impossible. How can we attain that? And he's saying it's through the Messiah, through faith, the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we can be transformed and made right before God through faith. Not by keeping all of the law. Without that element of faith, the law only brings a curse. Um, It was a promise uh, uh, of the Messiah coming that whoever believes in them should uh, would receive eternal life. And so he puts it in a very simple way. It says that the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. The purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. Now in verse 26 to uh, 411, another lengthy section I'm going to read. Follow along if you can. Uh, I'm going to read from the New King James. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. He is, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we are children, were under bondage, uh, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Oh, this is so significant. Let me read a section of of a commentary that, that, that I think helps illustrate the importance of this passage. It says that in the old set of relationships under the law, under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Jews were the children of God and Gentiles, all non-Jewish races, were sinners. But now Gentile Christians are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. This must have been a shocking declaration for a Jew to hear. And in fact, that's why the Judaizers and these false teachers were going up there trying to tell the Gentiles that that's not, that's not true. Paul was wrong. It is shocking. It's a complete uh, change in their mind. But Paul says, no. It was clear in Scripture all the way back. That's why he said it to Abraham. In Jewish literature, sons of God was a title of highest honor used only for the members of righteous Israel destined to inherit uh, inherit the eschatological blessings of the end-time reward. But now Gentiles 
the rejected, the outsiders, the sinners, those who do not observe the law, are called sons of God. Indeed, this is a new creation. It's a new creation. It's a new creation. Through Christ, all things are made new. All right? How could a Gentile ever be called a child of God? Paul's answer is clear. Through faith, by believing in Christ Jesus. And since Christ Jesus is the Son of God, all who by faith are in Christ are also sons of God. So this united sonship through shared faith in Christ destroys all barriers. All barriers. Say all barriers. All right. This is the intent. All right. Uh, <clears throat> this is what Paul is moving toward in his in this in the Galatians that the barriers that have separated uh, mankind throughout all of the centuries are broken down through faith in Jesus Christ because everyone becomes a son through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, neither Jew nor Greek. That means racial barriers no longer have any uh, uh, value or power. Uh, uh, slave or free. Economic di- differences. E- economic barriers uh, no longer apply. Uh, uh, gender. No fa- male or female. In the Kingdom of God, there's neither male nor female. Gender differences were made equal in Christ before God. <clears throat> any basis for division, hierarchy, cliques, within the people of God, within the church, is a violation of the unity we have in Christ. Alright? And the Judaizers were coming and saying there's still the Jewish people and Gentile people and you have to become Jewish people ethnically in order to receive. And Paul saying, no! All of those barriers are done away with through faith in Christ. They're broken down. They no longer... We're freed from all of that through sonship. Our unity is, our, is the manifestation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And any disunity or division is a violation of that relationship. Okay, If our unity is a manifestation of our relationship with Jesus, any disunity or division among us is a manifestation of a breakdown in that relationship. Not only in the, if I'm divided with Adam, that doesn't mean I just have a problem with Adam. That means I have a problem with Jesus. Is that significant? That's transform. That that is meant to change the world. Okay, everything everyone's fighting, trying to change the world. Jesus gives us the solution. It's by all becoming sons. It's by having a new identity, being a new creation, no longer allowing our, our carnal uh, differences to separate us. Okay, that we've put on Christ. That that putting on Christ. <clears throat> uh, being in Christ means that we're, we're sons. Putting on Christ is taking on His nature, His characteristics. Participating, one commentator says, participating in the moral perfection of Christ by faith. We step in. We display the nature of Christ. Not through works of the law, but through the life that comes by faith and His Spirit that dwells within us. And all of this leads up to this concluding section in verse 6 and 7. Uh, it says, And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. 
Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own children. And since you are His child, God has made you His heir. So this new creation brings us into a new relationship. A relationship of intimacy with the Father. Alright? We're brought into unity with one another, all calling on God as Abba. That's the most intimate form. It's like saying, Daddy God, Papa. We're brought into that through adoption. We're all made one. And Paul says this, we're, 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 we're taken from slavery into sonship through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> I was reading an article about cancer in Time Magazine, just last week's issue. It was about cracking cancer's code. And, and, and the scientist said, the cardinal feature of cancer, of a cancer cell, is that it's lost the identity it was born with. Yeah, that's what I said, right as I was in the middle of this study. I was like, wow. In Christ, we're given a new identity. We're new creations. Reverting to legalism or to sinfulness. Our past nature going back is rejecting that new identity. Don't be a cancer cell in the body of Christ. Rather, be renewed through your faith in Him. Amen.